0: Welcome to the Stockouts. This is your show at Freightwaves about all things related to the CPG industry. Those are the consumer packaged goods, which have actually outperformed the stock market by, market by quite a lot this year by uh, falling less than the overall stock market. Um, so, today on the Stockout, um, I'm going to be talking about Smucker's results from uh, last week, which I think reveal what um, you know, some of the other CPG companies are going to talk about when they. Uh, you know talk about their second quarter um you know results uh talk about some of the, the BLS data the Bureau of Labor Statistics data on inflation and you know some on commodity prices and also run through some data on ocean and rail and I think the theme for today's show is not seeing any uh easing in inflation in food prices. Um so we're gonna talk about those things today. Um I'm your host Mike Baudendistl. Um Follow the CPG industry here at FreightWaves. In addition to uh, following the rail and intermodal industries very closely, uh, work with customers on uh, their rail and intermodal uh, data needs. Um, so, if any of the, any of those things um, you know are, are need- needed for you, uh, feel free to reach out at mbowdendigital at freightwaves.com. Uh, what we have up on the screen now is this is a easy, real easy way to get a hold of me and follow my writing at FreightWaves. Is just go on up to to newsletters go to freightwaves.com go on up to newsletters and right there the first one under supply chains is the stock out so try to get out two newsletters um, every week um, unless uh, there's so much data stuff going on that uh, it's only it's only one uh, so so with that as as a quick intro I'll get into uh, the you know the content here and really topic number 1 is the J.M. Mucker company last week reported earnings you know stock was actually uh, pretty uh, pretty strong for the week up about 3.5% the last five trading days, and only down about 6.5% for the year, which um, is a lot better than the market as a whole. It seems like there's been a a big flight to quality in uh, in the stock market, a flight to companies that are uh, less uh, cyclical, that are more defensive, that are big cash generators and pay a nice dividend. Um, I think the Smucker Company um, meets all those descriptions. And I'll go through the results just real quickly and then talk about what this means for the other uh, CPG uh, companies. So a little overview of the results. Uh, net sales you know, increased 6% sort of when you exclude di- divestitures, increased 5% for the year. Adjusted earnings per share increased 18% for the quarter, up 3% for the full year. Still experiencing a lot of margin pressure. So for the quarter, the, the gross margin declined 570 basis points. It was a little bit of a sloppy quarter with the, the GIF, Recall, which it um, really had more of an impact uh, after the quarter, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, we look at um, fiscal 2023 for Smucker, which began um, May 1st. They revealed some interesting things, as, as sort of as far as their expectations go for this upcoming, let's call it next 12 months, uh, starting you know a month ago in in, in May. So, uh, company expects prices to increase 15% on average across the board. In the company's products and so and so that's a little bit you know worse than what we've seen for other um you know cpg companies and, and just food at home inflation in general this latest data from the, the bls said um 11.9 you know, percent increase in may in, in terms of food at home prices basically grocery prices and interesting that 15 percent that smucker is expecting for the next year kind of right in line with coffee prices um for, for grocery up fifteen percent. That's going to be their, their Smucker's biggest, you know, ingredient. Um, you know, ownership of the, the the Folgers brand and and Duncan um, for for at home consumption. So, you know, what, what justifies a fifteen percent increase in prices that Smucker's planning to, 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 to get through the next year? Their costs are rising, you know, mid to high teens, and so basically they're trying to get back all of the dollars of cost pressure with uh, with price increases and those typical um, you know CPG culprits. For for price increases, you know, are, are present here where it's it's ingredients which are now almost half of their cost structure in, in terms of cost of products sold, labor, packaging, freight, and manufacturing costs, which includes some outsourced manufacturing costs. All of those things are still rising for uh, Smucker and for CPG company at whole. So they really haven't gotten much um, relief, if any, on their 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 um, costs, and so. You know, with the price increases, sort of making it dollar for dollar, the margin uh, pressure is only expected to be 30 basis points in the upcoming fiscal year, which would be quite a lot better than what the company experienced um, in its fiscal 2022, where for the full year gross margin contracted 540 basis points, which really wasn't too dissimilar from the other CPG companies sort of throughout the last 12 to 18 months. Costs, costs rose faster in the CPG industry, faster than those companies could pass uh, those costs on you know through the retail channels and ultimately on to consumers. So really from a consumer perspective, there's another shoot a drop um, or two, or maybe even more than that in terms of higher um, you know grocery prices. Um, as, as far as this means for the retailers, um, you know, I read through an analyst report that um, you know really brought up a good a good point about the the, the, the retailers and, and, and sort of the CPG companies' relationship with the retailers is is really sort of the perspective of a lot of CPG management teams is that retailers are going to be receptive to increased prices um, that they have to pay to CPG companies and and the prices that go on on store shelves, uh, so long as there's still you know pressure on the commodity prices and so the the the, the retailers are um, basically auditing the. Price increases that they're receiving from the CPG companies, you know, more closely, you know, pushing back on those further. And a lot of CPG companies expect that once those inflationary prices ease, that the retailers are gonna say no more, no more price increases from the CPG companies, and and that's gonna sort of be it. And, and the CPG companies won't have a lot of um, more opportunity to push price increases through to the retail through the retail channel. And so as a result of that. CPG companies right now trying to um, you know get the the price increases sort of in place and get them in place quickly so they aren't sort of the um, you know segment that's holding the bag if uh, commodities start going the other way. CPGs are still trying to make up for a lot of the cost pressure that you know has taken place over the last you know year year and a half. It does take time for for those price in- increases to get you know into the into the retailers and on, and. On and onto the consumers, and so um, you know they want someone else to sort of bear those the, the, those costs. They don't want it to all be the the, the, the CPG industry. So it's trying not to be the, the victim of timing, um, and so the CPG company is trying to pass through price increases as quickly as possible. Um, the other thing that comes up as of uh, the, the Smucker's results, I think, is a big question: is the elasticity? So that that fifteen percent price increase across the board for the smucker company the question is well, how do, how are consumers going to respond to that what the company is modeling is that there's going to be a 7% impact to volume and mix as a result of those higher prices so you know certainly there's going to be some elasticity there, there's there, the CPGs and smucker have said you know really there hasn't been a lot of elasticity so far at least either no more than they've seen historically or less than they've seen historically it'll'll it'll be interesting to see if that holds up. In the next year, um, when the, the the pressure on consumers really intensifies, I mean, those comments the other week from uh, Jamie Dimon, this J.P. Morgan's CEO, that the consumer has a, another six to nine months of sort of spending power um, left before they really have to, to retrench. I mean, I think that could um, have a huge impact on, on on CPG. So we'll we'll see what happens there. There does seem to be evidence already of consumers, you know, buying more private label brands, shopping at um, places like Aldi. You know, buying more groceries at Walmart, which actually that might not um, hurt a company like Smucker, that you know, huge uh, retail partner with with, with Walmart, um, large part part of their sales. So the elasticity uh, is sort of the big question here. It seems like so far the CPGs that have increased their prices, let's say four or five percent, maybe six percent, you know, really have not seen a, a degradation in volume, but those have taken prices up. Eight, nine, 10%, you know, have seen some decline in volume. That's been low single digits, but you have seen some changes in consumer behavior there. As we get up into 15%, you would think that consumers would um, change their behavior a little bit more. You know, it's pretty noticeable when, let's say, a box of Uncrustables goes from $9.99 to $11.50, and, you know, the parent that's buying that is buying multiple boxes, you know, pretty noticeable. Um, so so, so we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. You know, company also talked about the the Jif, you know, recall. Um, I was one of the unfortunate people. At least, you know, I think my family thinks that that got sick because of the the Jif Salmonella, you know, uh, situation. Was badly sick for about 24 hours, and then it sort of, um, you know, evaporated into the rearview mirror. And you know, at the time, I was thinking I'd never, you know, eat Jif again. But you know, now I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, things happen, and probably will blow over at, at some point. And and you know, Smucker's outlook for the next fiscal year sort of was along those lines, right? I think it's going to be a 2% hit to sales and 90% hit to earnings. That's mostly because they have unsaleable inventory and manufacturing downtime. And, um, you know, don't think that it's going to be a situation where the brand is is really damaged, um, you know, by that uh, situation. Um, so I'll move on to the next topic here. Um, you know, overall, I thought that, uh, you know, the, the Smucker's um, results were, were, were interesting, shows that food prices are really going to be high, and um, maybe you know going forward, uh, the consumer is is even going to be more stretched um, to for you know discretionary items once they get past the um, the, the grocery prices and, and energy prices. So topic number two here is the the BLS Bureau of Labor Statistics shows a steep increase in uh, food at home prices. So if you're hoping for lower grocery prices, which I think we all are, you know, didn't see any evidence of this in this latest data, which goes through May. Now, that is on, let's call it a six-week lag of, of when these prices actually took place. But but some of these statistics are pretty nasty. Food at home prices in May up 11.9% year over year from last May. That's more severe than the 8.6% overall uh, rate of um, inflation and the highest at home food price inflation since April of 1979, so Biden is looking more and more like Jimmy Carter all the time. Uh, prices increased 1.4 percent from April alone, just in one month, um, and that was the fifth consecutive month of a of a one percent or greater month over month increase in grocery prices. So um, it's it's pretty bad out there. So five out of the six major categories increased uh, more than 10 percent. The only one that didn't was fruits and vegetables, which uh, only only increased 8.2%. So maybe there's never been a better time to be a vegetarian, um, eat, your, eat your vegetables. Uh, so no evidence of food uh, prices uh, subsiding, uh, you know, really at all. Um, and maybe if there's good news in this for, um, you, you know, for, you know, CPG companies is that the, the inflation rate at restaurants is still, uh, is, is very high also. That was a 7.4% increase, uh, but, but still maybe on a, on a dollar basis. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, CPG is not looking any less attractive, you know, versus is going out. And I do think you know people will eat more at home as just one way to, to to mitigate um the fact that everything is 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 rising in price. A few items I'll call out in that report, eggs up 32 price price of eggs, up 32% year over year, which has been um you know impacted by the I guess the avian flu, butter and margarine up twenty price up 202 percent, 20. chicken up seventeen percent, milk up sixteen percent, coffee up. Fifteen percent. Um, so uh, you know, p- pretty uh, you know bad out there for the the average consumer. And um, you know, we're really going to test the theory that the U.S. consumer is always um, you know resilient. Uh, we'll we'll see. Topic number three is also related to uh, rising food prices, which is soybean prices are hitting a new high. I have a, a graphic in there from our partners at Bar Chart Inc. And so the way to read this is. Soybean prices now trading at seventeen dollars and seventy cents a bushel on the Chicago Board of Trade, where they trade the commodities. This is uh, the third largest grain commodity that's moved by rail. You know, after corn or wheat, it's still very important. And um, you know, basically, this is now higher than prices of soybeans now higher than they were in two thousand twelve, which was impact of of the you know the U.S. drought. But you know, this year, soybean prices are being hit by um, you know basically the you know war in Ukraine. You know, they, 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 ha- they export a lot of, uh, you know, cooking oils, um, you know, for, for the sunflower seed oil, those compete with other types of, of vegetable oil, including you know, soybean oil, including palm oil. You know, some of the uh, countries around the world have gotten to be more protectionist out, out of their vegetable oils, not allowing as many exports, which is exacerbating the situation. The energy prices are increasing the price of fertilizer, which go into the crop prices and the, the crop prices are making the um, you know the 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 price for animal feed more expensive. That's hitting the price of of meats. And so you have the price of of meat you know well up in in the double digits. I mean even last year I think the 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 price of a lot of different meat commodities were up 20, 30 percent. So those type of pressures uh, continue um, and it's just getting you know just one more factor making it more you know difficult to eat um, you know in a cost effective manner and you know, so just in short, from those three you know, news items, not seeing any evidence of uh, food prices coming down anytime soon, not with commodities um, you know, hitting you know, new highs for some of these food-related uh, commodities. Uh, topic number four, inventory levels are highly elevated for non-food items. And I do draw this distinction between food items and, let's say, consumable products, so the CPG-type products, and everything else. Um, so you have a graphic here that um, was from, from uh, this was from an article that Rachel Premack wrote um, talking about. You, you can look at it on the site. It's a really good article about uh, Target. She's talking about you know why is everyone freaking out over Target's inventories? Well, you see they're kind of in the middle of that screen. Target inventory up forty three percent, sales up only four percent. They made a big move to cancel orders. You know, make a, a strong move to, to um, you know sell inventory they don't want. You know, walmart's are very high as well they do you know Walmart does say well, you know some of that we wish you didn't have some of it we're kind of glad we have because uh, it's been hard to get products shipped and in stores when you look at some of the others, every one of those on that list, um, if you can see the screen it, inventory levels are higher than this the sales growth with the exception of Walgreens, which is maybe where you would want to have excess inventory that might be related to not having enough baby formula, not having enough prescription drugs, not having enough consumables. So, that, so that's where you actually wouldn't mind having a little bit more um, you know, inventory. So kind of in short, it's a situation where um, the things that are um, in, in high inventory are the things that people don't really need. I mean, listen to the results from Walmart. And basically, the, the people are spending just as much money on a trip, at a trip to Walmart, it's just once they um, you know buy the gasoline, maybe and, and they buy the food. There's just not as much left over for what they call general merchandise, which are things like toys, you know, patio furniture, um, etc. So it's really these retailers are are being left with the wrong inventory, and we've sort of gone from having um, you know too little of everything to having too much of everything. Maybe with the you know big caveat that that the food items are still um, in, in in low demand and. You know, that sort of gets to the, the debate of, you know, is the fact that in, these inventories are so high at so many retailers really going to have uh, an, a, an alleviating effect on inflation because there's going to be lots of discounting? And, and, and my perspective is no, because those are all things that people don't really want, don't really need, um, and, and what re- would really make a difference would be lower food and energy prices. And we don't see any um, uh, evidence of those falling, we see evidence of, of, those, of those rising. Um, I'll move on here. Topic number five: Freightwave's ocean data shows import volumes falling off a cliff. So this was a really great article, got a lot of attention last week. Written by my colleague uh, Henry Byers, who is our um, ocean guru, one of our ocean gurus, um, you know, data analyst and, uh, and and author of some of these these articles. And you know, he doesn't write a lot of articles, but when he does write the articles, you really need to read them. And, and this is an example of that uh, too. So so Henry writes an article. With data that um, you know he he, he sourced uh, and you know built the the apps for in Sonar and you have a chart that shows the inland ocean TEU volume uh, basically falling 36% since May you know 24th and if we can bring up this chart here you know what I like about this chart is it goes back to sort of pre pandemic levels back you know look at the left side of that chart in 2019 and, and that's sort of kind of your your your, your baseline. You know, volume sort of not not a great year for, for for freight, but kind of in a normal situation before the work from home and all of that. Uh, you've seen the the spikes in 2020 after the the lull of COVID shut down, and and really they had been elevated ever since. A lot of that in the right side, uh, those elevated import uh, volumes really went towards building you know, inventory levels, and all of a sudden um, everyone sort of woke up and realized we have too much you know inventory for general merchandise, and now the imports are are falling off a cliff and what a lot of people um, had expected was that 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 uh, data was related to the shutdowns in Shanghai and you know as, as soon as the, the shutdowns lift, then there's going to be a huge surge in in imported volume and those numbers will go just right back to up to where they were, maybe even beyond where, where they were. But um, what Henry's data shows uh, and, and I encourage you to go, go back and read the article is that a lot of the, that imported volume, wasn't just delayed. And it actually wasn't really delayed. It was moved out of a nearby port. And so it just came in to the U.S. through a different channel. And so it's not a situation where there's a huge amount of pent-up demand for ocean imports. It's just that there's less volume you know, coming in because ultimately there's less demand with those high inventory levels. And um, you know, would expect to see this starting in sort of the first two weeks of, of July, given that the ocean um, times tend to be, let's say, thirty to forty-five days from, from when those um, you know orders get you know, booked and, and put on the, the the container ship to where they actually get you know imported in the U.S. You know it varies depending on which coast you're coming through. Um, coming through the you know um, Panama Canal could be a you know full you know four four five weeks. Um, so I, th- I think that speaks to um, you know our view that the um, you know demand for truckload volumes and ultimately intermodal volumes which really have not cracked yet, at least on the, the, the domestic side, that those are likely to head lower uh, you know in the coming weeks. Um, you know Henry also talks about uh, you know some of the macroeconomic you know indicators that he's watching in his article, which you know some of those include the revolving credit uh, back up to pre-pandemic levels, so people spending more on their credit card, not necessarily changing behavior quite yet but um, maybe having a little bit higher balance on their credit card. Of course, the, 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 um, you know, that's the revolving credit. The non-revolving credit, those are at high levels too because people, a, a lot of people bought homes at very elevated prices. Now we're starting to see the home building um, industry start to roll over. There's still plenty of uh, homes that are you know, halfway finished, including a lot of multifamily that still have to be completed. And inventory levels of homes are still at a low level but in terms of you know, new home starts and the volume of homes that are being traded, those have already come down with the sharp, um, let's say I'd call it two and a half, almost 3% increase in mortgage rates. Um, it's a big uh, deal to, for, for mortgage rates to go from 3% to let's say five and a half, closer to, to, to 6%. Also the savings rate um, down to 4%, the lowest since the Great Recession. So there's plenty of evidence to suggest that um, consumers under pressure And uh, not a lot to the contrary, other than the fact that there's still a lot of job openings, there's still a lot of companies um, looking to hire, um, but that does tend to be a lagging indicator. And so um, it is a concern if uh, most of the the economic indicators are pointing to a slowing economy, maybe a recession, and the only thing that's that's really positive is a a backwards-looking indicator. Topic number six. I'll close out uh, the the show today with topic that uh, followed for a long time. You know, rail railroads and, and rail traffic. The rail traffic is down in most carload uh, categories. Have a graphic on that. That you know, on the surface, it list, the surface list looks kind of mixed. But if you look at this on a year over year basis, it's almost a red a red chart. But you know, bring your attention to this. This is the month over month change, and the pattern here is that those commodities that are moving in rail carloads that have uh, much higher prices than they used to those are up uh you know in the, in the last month so coal benefiting from the higher uh, uh energy prices grain from the, the the very high uh agriculture prices petroleum products of course um and then you know some primary you know metal products but but some of these other things that are a little bit more cyclical in nature chemicals carloads you think of chemicals as going into a lot of um, you know, consumer durables, consumer non-durables that go into a lot of autos. So there, there's certainly, um, you know, things in there, Crushed the, uh, uh, a lot of building materials, those are starting to fall, um, you know, motor vehicles, those are down 13, motor vehicle shipments, which are primarily finished vehicles, those are down 13% in the last week. So it, it does seem like overall, um, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, economy is slowing for the rail car load, Volume and, and that's one that I encourage you know you to look at in addition to the intermodal data that we have in sonar on a very granular basis. In fact, one you know tidbit is is that um, Warren Buffett would talk about rail traffic as being his favorite economic indicator. Part of the reason for that is that it comes out every week and because it just touches so many different sectors of the economy. So when you see that and, and most segments are down, you know year over year. Kind of the only ones that are up um, recently are those driven by higher um, you know prices of let's say energy and 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 um, agriculture products which probably on, a, on, on balance have a negative impact because of what it's doing to the consumer um, you know still just one more um, piece of evidence that um, the consumer is uh, going to be under a lot of pressure for the foreseeable future um, so with that um, hopefully this wasn't too much of a um, doom and gloom type uh, presentation, but um you know, it's kind of calling it like I see it uh, right now. And I would encourage those who are not signed up already to please go to www.freightwives.com forward slash the stock out, sign up for my newsletter, sign up for some of the others, uh, some of the others that would uh, I think pertain to um, our audience here that uh, is either in the CPG industry or uh, is a broker or carrier or supplier um, that's in the CPG industry. Um, you know, the, 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 the retail. Um, one is a, is a really good one. Um, also, running on ice, a cold chain. There's a lot of overlap between those, uh, you know, industries and the CPG industry. One of the, the interesting um, you know, things from Sonar that um, you know, one of my colleagues, uh, Donnie Gilbert, was describing the other day in Freightwaves Now is that the tender rejection rate for reefer has actually fallen below dry van for the first time. Um, and that doesn't usually happen because you know, reefer is a more concentrated industry; it's not as competitive. So, um, you know, I, th- I think if you're a reefer shipper, you should be able to have your loads covered uh, much easier than you have in in recent months, as reefer uh, tender rejection rates were high. So, with that, hope everyone has a great um, you know week, and um, you know that's all I wanted to cover today. Thank you.